The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I must have never been paying attention. All right, welcome to the Paying Attention program. Uh, I'm Tom Duggan. I'm going to be um, I'm going to be uh, uh, doing this little show here today with uh, Fred and Meredith. We get a bunch of people. Ira Kelts is going to be doing a. Uh, we're going to be. I don't know why it's doing that. Oh, hold on. Um, so here's what we're going to do. We got uh, Fred and Meredith are going to do news. We've got Ira's got a great report on the flu. Of this big flu going around. He's got did a lot of research on it. Thought it would be pretty educational. We've got a guest, a couple of guests coming. Uh, to talk about the uh, marijuana situation in North Andover. Why don't we start with news, Fred Meredith? Why don't you uh, tell us what's gone on in the last week since uh, since last we met? Hey, Tom. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, thank you. So we begin our headlines today with news that Lawrence Mass has received an official warning from the Trump administration regarding its status as a so-called sanctuary city. Good. I bet you're shocked by this, No, right? I'm not shocked no, at all. Not, not at no. all. So the, the warning came in the form of a letter, and it was sent by the U.S. Department of Justice this week to officials in 23 cities across the country, including Chicago, New York City, L.A., and Lawrence. Lawrence uh, the letter challenges the leaders of those cities to prove that they are cooperating with federal authorities enforcing immigration law. Now, if cities refuse to offer them the proof that they're cooperating, the Department of Justice has threatened to use its subpoena power to get access to documents showing whether those cities are cooperating or not. And the Trump administration has also threatened to withhold federal grant money from uncooperative communities. Good. Every single dime. Every that, dime. That the federal government sends to Lawrence should be stopped immediately. Well, it might be. You Good. never know. Good. You never know. That's exactly what, it, that's exactly what it's going to take exactly. for the traders in Lawrence to put – American citizens ahead of non-American citizens. So now reportedly, Lawrence Mayor Dan Rivera has taken issue with the letter, claiming that his city has in fact helped federal authorities apprehend criminals living in the country illegally on at least nine recent occasions. And that's probably true. Irrelevant, but true. Mm -hmm. You think it's true? Yeah, no, I think it probably is true, but it's irrelevant. Yeah. Because when you're out there promoting that you're a sanctuary city, you become a magnet for criminals and gang members and drug dealers. So you know you can you can cooperate on nine cases. There were nine cases like last week. You know what I'm saying? Like okay. so, so it's probably true, but totally irrelevant. So what happens now if there's a new police chief in Lawrence? How does that go? Well, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I know uh, Acting Chief Vask, interim Chief Vask. Uh, I, he's a no nonsense guy. Yeah. And um, he's a lot tougher than the last chief. I like the last chief, mm-hmm. but he's a lot tougher. And if he sticks around, I think uh, I think it, I think he's going to work out well. This whole sanctuary city thing though just blows my mind. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it during my rant today. But um, you know, I interviewed Dan Rivera a year ago, and we interviewed him live. Um, we asked him about the sanctuary city. He was actually at the May Day rally in May, mm-hmm. um, promoting illegal illegal aliens. They were basically rallying for illegal aliens, which that? is amazing. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I went over and I asked him, you know, about Lawrence being a sanctuary city, and his answer was, "We're not a sanctuary city; we're a trust act city." Mm-hmm. And then spent five minutes explaining what the difference was, which it's not really that different. It's right. a, it is a little different. A little different. Um, but then I start reading through court documents, mm-hmm. and in the court documents, he says Lawrence is a sanctuary city. How about that? So yeah. listen, I'm not a lawyer, and I shouldn't have to you know, use Lexus Nexus to try and figure out what the hell Lawrence really is. Right. You've got the leader of our city saying that, to me. 
and we wrote a big story, Lawrence is not a sanctuary city, and then he's telling the court that we are a sanctuary city. Who's Donald Trump going to believe? Right. right. You believe what he, what he put in court? Withdraw every single dime that the, that the city of Lawrence gets from the federal government. Right. It sounds like now we're really going to find out. It, it's amazing to me that you have people who are elected by Americans, supposedly, um, American citizens. They're supposed to represent American citizens. Yep. And yet they spend all of their time rep putting American citizens aside and advocating for citizens of other countries. Mm -hmm. Right. And look, I'm for, I'm for legal immigration. Anybody that wants to come here legally, fine. But we have we have tons of black people in this country that have no jobs, that get terrible educations, and they're getting no help at all from the federal government. They they don't have anybody marching in the streets to help them. You know, you get all these murders in Chicago, and yet all all the Democrat leaders seem to care about are citizens of other countries who are taking the jobs that these black people. In the, uh, all we hear about is how, how blacks are at the bottom of the barrel. I mean, they're, they're at the bottom of education. They're at the bottom of jobs, the economic situation. Well, they, of course it's going to be that way if you keep importing more people that will work for half the money. Right. Yeah, that's just me. Sorry. So <laughs> Haverhill Police announced some good news this week. In cooperation with U.S. Marshals and members of the Mass and Maine State Police, they made multiple arrests related to a home invasion that occurred in the city on Webster Street on January 16th. Police alleged that three suspects entered Haverhill home and pistol-whipped and robbed the occupant. One suspect, a woman, was arrested in Haverhill. Two male suspects were apprehended in Maine. Haverhill Detective Lieutenant Robert Pistone told the Valley Patriot, the Haverhill police did an excellent job of investigating the serious crime and developing probable cause in order to obtain arrest warrants so that these dangerous individuals could be apprehended so quickly. We're very fortunate to have the dedication of the Mass State Police and other law enforcement partners in the U.S. Marshals and Maine State Police. So, good job, HPD. Yeah, they do a good job at Haverhill. They we do. had the Haverhill chief here uh, on our first show, and I was a little surprised at how candid he was about the violence and the gangs in Haverhill. Mm -hmm. He's excellent. Yeah, he really Glad is. Glad to have him in yeah, yeah. Makes yeah. Me feel safer. Very candid. Yeah, and he's got such a different personality than a guy like Chief Solomon, and yet Chief Solomon is an amazing chief in his town. So right. Yep. And you look at a guy like Chuck Gray, who's got a totally different personality right. than both of them, but it works for North Andover. Yeah, he's different. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Well, Tom, now we're going to turn our attention down to Washington, D.C., where federal workers are back on the job following a brief but highly publicized shutdown of the federal government this past the week. The Schumer shutdown. The Schumer shutdown. <laughs> I like that. So on Monday, Republicans and Democrats agreed to reopen the government and fund operations for another three weeks by passing a stopgap spending bill. As part of that agreement, Congress voted to fund a popular children's health program, and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell promised Democrats he would look into new ways to protect so-called dreamers from deportation, and that's after President Trump canceled the DACA program last year. Now, a total of 81 senators voted in favor of ending the government shutdown, but 18 senators, including both U.S. senators from Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren and Ed Markey, voted no. Yeah. They voted no. They voted no. Now, it remains unclear whether whether Republicans and Democrats will be able to make any progress and come to agreement on major issues like immigration between now and the expiration of the temporary funding resolution, or if another stalemate is looming just over the horizon. Well, you know, look, I get that there are people who are brought here supposedly against their will. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to buy that for a minute. Mm -hmm. um, they're not citizens of this country, but they're not citizens of this country not from their own fault. Right. I have no problem. If we get a wall with a moat and piranhas and alligators and sniper like like escape from New York, right? You got with the snipers up on the wall. We get electric fences that go down into the into the into the ground so they can't tunnel. If we have security on our border, 
I have no problem with people who are dreamers, whatever we want to call them, staying in the country. As long as they're not beating their wives, drunk driving, selling drugs, I have no problem with that. Um, I kind of have a problem with making them citizens, mm -hmm. but from what he's kind of floating, he's floating this idea that if they stay for 15 years and they don't get in trouble, um, you know, maybe they could they could get a path to citizenship. Yep. Not sure I like that, but I'd be willing to accept it if we were deporting the people that were committing crimes. If we had security on the border, if people that overstayed their visas were thrown the hell back out, right. I'd be okay with it. But it, it, it's a compromise, and you you hear the news, especially on CNN, which just infuriates me every day. You know, they make everything an either or. Right. Yeah. Oh, well, he said this during the campaign, and now it's different. Well, yeah, because now he's governing. Back right. then, he wasn't governing. Right. And and in order to get certain things that we need, he's he's willing to compromise. That shows he's not the closed-minded bastard that everyone makes him out to be. Right. right. Yeah. Good point. You know. Anyways, it's my take. There you go. So closer to home, Mass Governor Charlie Baker gave his annual State of the Commonwealth address in the House chamber Tuesday night. The no, one, no one would know that, by the way, if you didn't tell them. Oh, I know. Because <laughs> I, I didn't know it till just now. So. There you go. <laughs> the governor, who's up for re-election this year, sounded a staunchly bipartisan tone, surprise, surprise, and gave an optimistic outlook for the state, which he says has an economy that is hitting on all cylinders. He said, quote, we live in a great state filled with creative, community-minded, hardworking, decent people. And what they want from us is opportunity, possibility, and hope. Not noise, not name-calling, not finger-pointing. Right. Looking ahead to the rest of this year, Baker identified education, transportation, and continuing to, to fight the state's opioid epidemic. Did he say anything priority. of any substance? Because, I mean, everyone loves education and public safety. and right. like. It's mm -hmm. like talking without saying anything. Like, did he say anything of uh, like? Did he say anything we can use? I think he's trying to go right down the middle because he doesn't want to attract an opponent on the you know on the Republican side going into the. Well, he's gonna ha he's gonna have a Republican opponent. We'll see. He's we'll got yeah, he had one last time. Yeah, so. Look, the, the the right wing of the Republican Party in Massachusetts loves to circle the wagons and shoot in. Right. And they hate the fact that there's any Republican that doesn't check every single one of their boxes right, that's elected. So I go on Facebook every day and I see these guys. And I, look, I'm a right-wing Tea Party guy too. Right. But you see these guys. He's a rhino. He's a rhino. Well, right. yeah, but – He's better than the alternative. We're in friggin' Massachusetts. Oh. <laughs> right. I mean, would you prefer Governor Coakley? Right. And the answer is yes, by the way. <laughs> no, I'm serious. If you ask these Tea Party people who are far right on the social issues – They'd rather have Martha Coakley. To because have then they, someone to rail right, against. Right, then they can yeah. rail against her right. and they can still, you know, play victims and look, up, right. you know, look at what's going on. It's, it's, it's a little maddening because we cut our nose off to spite our face. Right. Yeah. Having a guy like Charlie Baker there, even if he does nothing for four or eight right. years, is better than what Martha Coakley would be doing in her first year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, anyways. Tom, those are your headlines. That's it. That's it. I ruined your whole day just for that? No, it's not a ruin. That's for, oh, that's I know. For... I heard today that uh, John Kerry floated that he might run in 2020. Oh, God help us all. <laughs> God help us all. You don't like that? Jesus. He's a, uh, enough is enough, right? Please. Please. Just go away. <laughs> we'll get that, we'll get that uh, song that Sully Ernest does. We'll get that song that Sully Ernest does. Right. Or the windsurfing or whatever. But. Yeah. Just go away. <laughs> What's that Godsmack song? Just go away. Yep. Please just go. <laughs> Oh, my God. He's going to be windsurfing in right. the Boston exactly. Harbor. Could happen. Who needs that? Could happen. All right. Well, look, yeah, that was great. That was great news. I appreciate that. Um, promote your uh, business. Go ahead. Tell people Go who ahead. you are and why we have you here. Well, we are the co-founding partners of Lyric Consulting, which is a political and business marketing firm. And we also have our own real estate brokerage, Lyric Properties, uh, servicing the Merrimack Valley, Massachusetts. And I'm also an attorney by trade. Excellent. And they, they're also my booking agent. So Absolutely. if you 
want me to speak at your school, if you want me to speak to your group, a police group, police departments, whatever. Don't call him, call us. Yeah, please That's don't right. call me. We're there. You're never going to reach me anyway. <laughs> no. And call them. And, uh, we know and where to find them. And they'll take care of you. And they'll, right. and they'll take their $4 million off the top. <laughs> something like that. It's something. That's what we negotiated anyway. Small cut. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right. We're going to come back. We're going to change. We're changing the, the format of the show around a little bit. We're going to have Ira come up uh, last. He's going to do his flu thing. Next, we're going to have Jimmy Zanakis. And uh, and uh, Mike, right? Mike, Tom. It's one of those hard ethnic names. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Zanakis and Tom are going to come up and they're going to talk about the marijuana situation in North End of a town meetings this this coming week. Here on paying attention. I was ill-prepared for that. I apologize. That should have been a much longer break, I think. I could use 20-minute breaks if we could do that. That'd be awesome. We're taping live here from Two Guys Smoke Shop. Uh, let me get a little bit of business out of the way while the guys are getting all set up and uh, putting on their headphones and getting everything ready. Uh, Twin Lights Security. We, th- we want to thank Mike uh, Thibodeau and, uh, and Patrick. I think it's McLaughlin. I always forget his last name. I apologize. Uh, from Twin Lights Security. But they're not just Twin Lights Security. They're also Twin Lights Investigation Service. So if you need somebody, if you're going through a divorce, if you're running a company and you're worried someone's stealing from you, uh, you can hire them as a private investigator. They do great work. Uh, we also want to thank Attorney Peter Caruso, a free plug for Attorney Peter Caruso. We've got to give him a ton of – I owe him a lot of money. He represented me in the Diadamo case. So we've got to give him as much, uh, as much free plugs as we possibly can. And we also want to thank Eagle Investigations in Methuen, uh, A&M Auto Body, and uh, we had somebody else, but we'll, uh, we'll plug them afterwards. Uh, sitting to my left, now we've got a big thing coming up in North Andover. The Commonwealth of Massachusetts decided that um, we should legalize marijuana. I actually voted against legalizing marijuana. I think the, the, the less the government has control of anything is always, is always better. 
Um, but I lost that fight, and uh, now there's a, uh, a move to have a marijuana growing and research facility in North Andover. It's coming up at town meeting. And so I asked these guys to uh, come in because uh, I think there's a lot of misperceptions about what this is. And so I'm going to let them talk about it, and I'll, I'll, poke, uh, I'll poke some questions at you guys. And uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves and uh, tell us why you're here. Sure. My name is Jim Zanakis. I'm co-chairman of the, uh, the Vote Yes campaign for uh, the project going on at 1600 Osgood Street. Um, I've uh, been working on the project for the last few months now. Uh, at town meeting last year, I spoke in favor of the uh, proposal and uh, more recently wanted to be, become more involved because I really do see that this is a, a great opportunity for the town of North Andover. That's great. Hi. Hi. I'm Tom Regan. I'm currently an advisor on the project. Uh, my day job, I run a cannabis company in Denver, Colorado. been commuting for the last four years from North Andover. I'm a resident to Denver, running that operation. All right, great. So now uh, Massachusetts has legalized marijuana, but for some reason you guys still need town approval. Explain why that is. Why is it that if it's legal, why can't you guys just, just open up a shop? Like liquor's legal and, you know, someone just applies for a license and they get one. So, of course, when Massachusetts uh, legalized cannabis, other states did the same thing uh, the same day under the same referendum process. And, of course, those other states have rolled it out pretty, pretty uh, cleanly. In Massachusetts, unfortunately, everything has to be bureaucratic. And uh, part of the bureaucracy requires, in order to cultivate, in, in order to sell, it has to be grown in Massachusetts. In order to cultivate, you need certain local approvals. And uh, so North Andover is uh, faced with a question to rezone the parcel of land at 1600 Osgood Street, which requires a two-thirds majority of those present at town meeting. In May of 2017, we received just over 59% of the vote, not quite the two-thirds threshold. The common uh, theme that we heard from our, our, a lot of town meeting uh, goers then was that the project had too many questions unanswered. Uh, people were concerned about water usage. They were concerned about odor. And they, they really just said the, the project they, Can I just ask, were they really concerned about water consumption and odor, or were these just excuses sure. because they don't think pot should be legal? Because sure. we, we had, we had uh, a, a huge phone company there with thousands and thousands of employees. Nobody was worried about traffic and water consumption. It, and, and if Mike could keep it down over there, Mike, I really appreciate that. We're kind of doing a little show here. That'd be awesome. Thanks. <laughs> it's a valid, it is a valid concern because, you know, certainly there's an odor where, where marijuana is grown, and uh, you know, that's, a, that's a valid point. I think uh, the town is already host to a couple of other regional facilities, and um, I like to think, maybe I'm just being naive, but I'd like to think that the best of people and that their concerns were, were well-founded. So uh, Dr. Goldstein, who's a North Andover resident, uh, went to work and, and hired some, some top professionals around the world and around the region. We're thankful to have... Uh, some some uh, local people who are very well versed in it, and uh, the questions have been answered. So now the project is ready for prime time. It's ready to come back for the voters. There's a lot more detail, not just about the project itself, but there's a lot of detail that's in place now for the uh, host community agreement as well. So the the host agreement for the town is extremely lucrative. I don't know if you've uh, seen recently, but it's a hundred million dollar uh, deal over 20 years, and that's just the beginning because that does not include the reassessment of the property. So the tax bill is going to go up significantly. Uh, as well as a community fund that Dr. Goldstein has talked about establishing uh, for nonprofits throughout uh, North Andover. So the project is ready now. There's, there's no unanswered questions. Unfortunately, it has become a referendum. Uh, like you said, it's become a referendum on whether or not people think that marijuana should be legal or illegal. And now we're faced with trying to correct a lot of misinformation 
Um, you know, everything that Tom and I say and, and our, our, our teammates, everything that we say is perfectly well vetted. It has to be bulletproof if we're putting it out there for public consumption. Right. The downside is our opponents are engaging in very, very despicable uh, scare tactics. They're trying to scare people into thinking that we're going to drain the lake. And I, right. c- I can't tell you how many times I've answered <laughs> questions about Lake Chickawick. There are three wells on site that have been stress tested. We don't need town water for irrigation. It's in writing. It's in the host community agreement. It's in the bylaw. So, so I, I mean, I, I hear because I, I have friends that are against this. And I hear you know, some of the ridiculous things that are said as to why people are against it. We wrote an editorial this month, and I'm going to talk about that a little in my rant. Um, but, you know, we, people get this idea in their head that there's going to be, you know, big plumes of wafting marijuana smoke over the outcountry and that there's going to be a drive-up window where, you know, 16-year-old kids can pull up and order their weed. And none of that is true, right? Like, it's not even close to true. Yeah, it's, um, it's the furthest thing from the truth, the proposal is for a cultivation facility pure and simple and a research and innovation center combining those two things it's not for dispensary it's not for um you know any other thing you're hearing out there and as far as the odor goes we've got a concept which is a building within a building Mm -hmm. so we'll take that huge warehouse and then we're going to build grow houses inside of it each with environmental controls carbon filters deodorizing the air it's um, with you, the technology, it, with the technology that we have today. I, I would imagine that it would be, it would be perfectly reasonable to believe that that the smell of whatever the marijuana growing is inside that building, you're not going to be able to smell it outside. Yeah, and in right? fact, in fact, you're right. And part of the zoning, we've we've um, the the planning board in town in North Andover has written a 17-page bylaw that'll be voted on. And one of the strongest conditions in there is that. As you approach the property, you will not smell anything. That's, now, that's, that's governed. That's going to be part of the policy. Though, now, the one thing that makes me nervous about all this is while you guys are doing this, right, like just in the last week, the Trump administration came out and said, hey, listen, your state might have made it legal. It's still against federal law, and we're going to prosecute growers. Uh, that must have sent chills up your spine, right, because you guys are like right in the middle of all this while you're doing it. The – well, the uh – the policy that was in place during the Obama administration was the Cole memo saying that uh, no federal funds would be spent to prosecute for um, it, it, within states where cannabis is legal. Uh, rescinding that memo really doesn't change much. The Rohrbacher Amendment is what governs now uh, whether or not the federal government will prosecute based on medical growers. So medical is at least protected. Um, so you guys US- will be okay even if Trump goes nuts on this on this pot thing. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's Sessions more so than, than Trump, although I'm not sure where, the, where one stops and the other begins. Right. Um, but at, at that point, the, the market is, so much, uh, is, is emerging in such a massive way. And, and, again, it's a states' rights issue as well. So, I mean, this is a, this is a movement that's happening nationwide. Mm-hmm. It's highly unlikely that uh, the, the political um, decision would be made by Trump to go ahead and, and, and crack down on legalized cannabis. Currently – 95% of the U.S. population lives in a state where cannabis in some form is legal. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's pretty good. That's, that's a high number. It is, in some form, medical or right. uh, adult use. So now when you guys go before a town meeting, what's the actual vote? The vote isn't, do you like pot or do you not like pot? Do you, do you approve them having pot or not? What's the, what, is the, what is the mechanism that they use to bring you guys to the table to make you have to do this? There, there are multiple, but the biggest one, the biggest uh, uh, battle that will be fought on Tuesday night is question number four, 
which requires a two-thirds majority to rezone the property. Uh, oh, so so that's how they got you, right, on the zoning. That's just, that, local municipalities are unbelievable. <laughs> so it's legal, but what, but they, what they're doing is they're making you come to get approval because the, they have to rezone this property. Right. And, it, and, again, it requires a two-thirds majority, which is unfortunate uh, because, theoretically, a no vote counts twice as much as, a, uh, as, as two yes votes. Right. And uh, that, that's, that's a pretty high bar to overcome. I'm very impressed that we were able to get 58% of the vote with – uh, with limited information being out there, limited details. But now with all the details that are out there, plus the $100 million host community agreement, I feel pretty good about going into Tuesday with armed with those, just the facts are on our side, the town's incentive is on our side, and I think public sentiment is on our side. A lot of people that I know have been affected in a very positive way. Their friends, their loved ones have been affected in a very positive way through medical cannabis. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, 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 an, it's an evolution of thinking, but the more people learn about it, the more the more willing they are to go along with what's being proposed. I think a lot of it's generational, too. I think when I'm talking to the people that are against this in town, most of them happen to be my age or older, maybe in their 50s, 60s, 70s. And to them, it's still dope, right? To them, it's still kids smoking dope. It's bad for you. It's drugs. Drugs are bad. It was drilled into us when we were growing up. I mean, I was in a police family. I never even tried it until I was 36. I was literally 36 the first time I tried it. Um, and I tried it for medical reasons. Um, I, th- I think it's a generational thing, and I don't think it, there's anything anyone's going to be able to do to get past that. I think, I think if you have um, younger, more educated people show up, I think you guys should – you really shouldn't have any problem getting this passed. I mean, all we hear is uh, from Mark DeSalvo and some of the people uh, who are, don't really share my political views, uh, some of the liberals in town is, you know, we need to get more people, young people involved. Why aren't more young people coming to town meeting and voting and holding signs and campaigning for people? Well, young people, here's your chance. I mean, if you're not going to show up at town meeting to make this marijuana facility, then, you know, shame on you because my understanding is, tell me if I'm wrong, um, isn't like millions of, like two-thirds of this, these millions of dollars in taxes that the town's taking in going to go to the school system? Certainly. And uh, another thing that I wanted to touch on, uh, I'm not sure how much time we have, but another thing that I wanted to touch on, in addition to the financial benefit to the town of North Andover, we're talking about quite a lot of jobs here. The Innovation Center, uh, so the, the building itself is, is fairly massive. Uh, Look at, look at a Google uh, Maps view of it, and you'll see the manufacturing space is massive, but in the front of the building, the, the big facade that's right there, there's a lot of uh, square footage of, ma- of uh, office space there. So there are some places in the United States that are putting uh, cultivation facilities of similar size, but none of them have what uh, 1600 Osgood has, which is an innovation center. There are, a ton, there are about 40 different companies who have expressed an interest in locating in North Andover, bringing high-paying jobs, well-paying jobs, not just for the cultivation, but because you can do research and development on site. You can't do that at a, at a university. You can't do it at any other uh, location that receives federal funding. Uh, North Andover has the, the potential here with this facility to be on the cutting edge of a very massively emerging market with massively well-paying jobs. And Mr. Goldstein is massively wealthy, <laughs> and so and, and I know and I know him because we work together on the menorah lighting every year, um, and I, we see him every year. Him and him and or or eat. Um, I, I know he's going to use that money and he's going to be buying state-of-the-art technology to alleviate whatever people's concerns are because he wants to run a a good, efficient, profitable. Uh, facility for marijuana research and and uh, and, and growing facility. Um, remind people when town meeting is, and uh, you know we know it's question four, but like just repeat it because people you got to drum it into their head. Sure. Um, town meeting is is Tuesday, uh, January thirtieth. Starts at seven p.m. at the high school. Uh, we anticipate having a fairly large crowd there. North Andover holds the record for the largest town meeting in, North, in uh, Massachusetts history. That's awesome. In two thousand six, over trash fees, we expect that this meeting might 
uh, come close to that, if not exceed it. Um, so certainly plan uh, to, come, to come down. There are six questions on the warrant. We're encouraging people to vote no on the first two and yes on three, four, five, and six. Okay. Uh, are you guys going to be handing out a card or something that, sh- that tells we'll people? Have, we'll have a laminated card. Uh-huh. Uh, one, of, one of the questions is about having a dispensary in North Andover. Again, there's a lot of people who have concerns about the project. Um, the last thing I'll, I'll be able to, to point out is that we're not talking about selling it anywhere in North Andover. It's, it's just growing it here and selling it elsewhere. Um, if it's not grown here, it's going to be grown somewhere else right. in the Commonwealth. Right. And other towns are lining up. Other towns are excited to welcome this, this type of business into their town because of the tax revenue, because of the jobs that it creates, and because they can be on the cutting edge of an emerging market. If they turn this down, God forbid, but if they turn this down, you guys need to go to try Methuen next. Because Methuen would love this. Methuen would love this. Lawrence, I'm sure, would reject it. It's kind of weird how um, you know, Lawrence is like the crack center and the fentanyl and heroin center of the planet, and yet they're all against marijuana. <laughs> and then you go to other communities where they're not so hostile and, and, and they're pro-marijuana. It's a, it's a very weird dynamic where we're seeing right-wing conservatives that are just adamantly against Something that's going to bring in more money without an override. And adamantly against states' rights, which is extremely ironic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird how everything kind of – but now that Trump is president, I really believe that the earth kind of went through like a twilight zone vortex. And everything's opposite of what it's supposed to be, right? <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff that's going on is just crazy. I mean, I really think – I think Massachusetts had it right the first time. Decriminalize it but keep it illegal. Um, legalize it for medical use, you know, for what you guys are doing. And it, it – it, Keeps the cops from, you know, wasting their time. He lets people out of jail that would just, you know, had a joint on them or something. And it allows them to concentrate on other stuff. But for people who are selling it of large quantities, you don't want kids smoking it. And, you know, so I, th- I think we did it right the first time. I think legalizing it was just a horrible mistake. But now that we're here, it's legal. And opposing a facility like this would be no different than voting against a liquor store going in on Main Street because you don't think liquor should be legal. Well, you lost that fight. It went to the voters. The voters voted. They voted not the way I wanted them to. But I'm mature enough to say we lost that fight. Now let's try and at least find a way to make money for the town and to do it right. Yeah. Tom, in, um, there's a study by ArcView and Frontier Data, and they follow the industry, and they project that the Massachusetts market total from a market's perspective will be – close to $2 billion wow. by 2022. Wow. Or 2025, excuse me. Yeah, and we keep complaining about the economy and jobs. This is something that's going to provide jobs. I spent my whole life in high tech and, and startups, and this opportunity from a business model and from a revenue perspective um, and, and just job creation, mm-hmm. it, it, it's almost unprecedented. Wow. Yeah. Well, listen, I appreciate you guys coming. Um, if you want more time, I'll give you more time if you have more stuff you want to talk about. But I don't want to hold you here all day either. Just, just one point. I want to go back to the generational thing you mentioned. So um, two things. Um, great study. Pew, the Pew Foundation, they, they do studies on all kinds of things in America, mostly public sentiment. They've been following um, legalization where people felt on cannabis since the late 60s. In the late 60s, the trend was like 38%, 28% of the Americans said it should be legalized. Now it's um, almost 60%. Um, you spoke about the political divide. They break it down by political affiliation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It falls generally, generationally. It's exactly what you said. But um, politically, it, it, it's it, all over the place. It's all right? over the place. Yeah. Right? The, the, only, the only ones that are consistent are the people that are way off to the left crazy, right? And then really, really 
really far right. Right. They, they, they're holding the position. Everyone else in between, it's fluid, and it's almost 50, you know, over 50% in both, both parties, if you will. Um, and the other thing is we held an open house yesterday, and we hosted some senior citizens, and it was— We had spies there. It was—I I have to tell you, I expected that generational thing to rear its head. It didn't. Really? I, a lot of business, a lot of retired business folks in there asking real hard business questions, which told me that they were probably past the 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 moral the objection. moral objection right. or the social objection that we grew up with, um, and they were thinking about it in terms of business and revenue, which right. was really refreshing. And um, I wasn't expecting that. And just just one point on that: the Pew studies, the millennials. You mentioned the millennials. Seventy percent of the millennials born, you know, thirty-five and younger. Uh, favorite right. nationally, yep. uh, baby boomers and Generation X, fifty-five um, people b- born before nineteen forty-five, like still thirty-eight percent. Wow! And it's just, I think it's a generational thing. Wow, but that's but that, crazy. that senior meeting we had yesterday was eye-opening. I think the residents have really um, doubled down and did their homework, and they're talking about it. Yeah, I got I got some reports from uh, from your meeting. From uh, we we sent a couple. I try to send spies to these things if I can't make it myself. Because people react differently when it's me when I walk in the room because they know I'm there. They know I'm going to go live. They know I'm going to report on it. How'd we do? So we, I, I was very impressed. I was told that you guys really did a fantastic presentation, and it was very educational. And I think that's what, when these issues come up. Look, I have friends that are going to vote against this. And as long as they're educated and they're not spreading or believe lies and rumors, that they're voting against it for a legitimate reason, uh, we can agree to disagree. I have no problem with that at all. I mean, I know in today's climate, nobody's supposed to agree to disagree, but I'm okay with people differing with me as long as it's real. But what I've found is that most of the objections aren't real. And when you drill down to people that are complaining about the traffic and the water consumption and the smell and all these other things, when you drill down, you find out that that's not really their objection. Their real objection is they just don't think marijuana should be legal. And sometimes they don't even realize that, right? Because we're so conditioned politically to go the route of whatever everyone else is saying if we object to something. And I, I would just be happy if we didn't hear at town meeting any of that baloney. If people would just stop with the lies. Just be honest and say, look, I have a moral objection to it. No one's going to judge you for it, but just be honest about it. My biggest problem in all of these local debates is, is the dishonesty all the time. All the time. Yeah. Let me throw a couple other things at you there, Tom, too. If you go back in time just uh, not even that long ago, I was on the Board of Selectmen from 1999 to 2008. You were like 12 <laughs> when you got elected, right? <laughs> feels like forever ago. Uh, but my first term on the board, 99 to 02, it was relatively easy to come up with a consensus budget. You know, mm-hmm. the, the school department was always asking for more money, uh, rightfully so. I think uh, we have the 19th largest class sizes in Massachusetts, which I think is a terrible statistic to, to own. Uh, so certainly there's, there's room for improvement there. Uh, the town's been doing a great job with limited resources, and through c- solid leadership over the last several years, we've had multiple consensus budgets, and our, our bond rating is, is perfect now. We have a AAA bond rating, which if you had said that maybe 15 or 20 years ago, people would have scratched their heads and looked at you sideways. But th- my second term on the Board of Selectmen in 2002, it started to get really difficult because state aid started to get cut. And once state aid started to get cut, we couldn't keep up with contractual obligations, uh, skyrocketing health insurance, fixed costs going through the roof. And it was a different town then. It was the budget battles were contentious. People were, were yelling in the meetings and going to town meeting. There, were, there was one time when, when our uh, school department recommended budgets started out below the state minimum foundation budget. And those, were, those were scary times. Uh, there was a time when, uh, not too long ago when only one ambulance was covering the entire town of North Andover, population 30,000. And if that ambulance was on a call and you called for another ambulance, you would have to wait for Methuen or Andover or Averill. I remember those days. There was a time when only three police officers were on the road. 
think of that again. It's it's not safe for the for the uh, the public. It's not safe for the uh, especially how big North Andover is. Yeah. It's it's a geographically very large community. Mm-hmm. Um, but those luckily those days uh, we haven't seen those days recently because state aid has has continued to do well. Our tax base has been expanding at a modest rate. But I'm concerned. Everything all all budget. Uh, cycles are in fact cyclical. They're going to come back again. And we do know that we just don't know how long it's going to last and how deep it's going to be. But we do know that without proper planning, the town's going to be once again facing some very, very uh, difficult choices that will fall on the town's residents, either to raise taxes or cut services, neither one of which is very appealing. Um, the the last thing I'll mention to you is that the uh, the other outside benefits of having an economic powerhouse like that is massive. Uh, every business up and down 125 should be cheering really, really loudly for this. Uh, the restaurants that are up and down there, Butcher Boy up in that plaza, Jasmine Plaza, um, up and down the Route 125 corridor, they all want to see this do well because those people that work in that building, those are those are meals, those are groceries, those are sure. lunches, those are haircuts, whatever they. Yeah, they're stopping the for cigarettes on their way home. They're getting milk and bread. There's, yeah. you know, yeah. No, I, I, listen, I think, I, again, I voted against making marijuana legal, but. But I lost that fight, and so now we have to find a common-sense way to accommodate what the voters said. And I think this is a great way to do it. It's going to be on Tuesday, January 30th at 7 o'clock at the high school in North Andover. Uh, We want to encourage everybody from North Andover to come. However you're going to vote, we'd like for you to vote yes. Uh, But however you're going to vote, please do your civic duty. Care about the town. Come, listen to the information, make an informed vote. Guys, thank you so much for coming. Uh, Tom, what's your last name, Tom? Regan. Tom Regan and Jim Zanakis uh, from the – what's the technical name for your group? The Osgood Revitalization Coalition. The Osgood Revitalization Coalition. We support them. I think it's a great project. If you ever need a public speaker, please let me know. Thank I'm you. in the market. Um, are my booking agents still here? Yeah. No, they left. <laughs> he left. Fred and Meredith left. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. I thank appreciate you. it. Tom, And I'll see you, you guys so Tuesday night, and I'll be voting. Bring some friends. I will bring some friends. <laughs> thank I will you. do that. We appreciate it. Are you guys going to have some food at least, like bribe us to vote the right way? <laughs> bring some sandwiches or something? It's always, it's always a long night at town meeting. Maybe we'll celebrate afterwards. All right. I'm Tom Duggan on Paying Attention. We're going to take a quick break. And then I'm going to do a little bit of ranting about what's some stuff going on in the news. Then we get Ira coming up to talk about the flu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I think we're back. 
Thank you're you. back. Thank, you're thank, back. Take it away, Tom. All right. Very good. Thank you. How's, that, how's this other camera going? Can we try that? Yeah, we can. We'll do a little on-air production while we're here. Sure, why not? Oh, I don't think I like that. Let me see. Look at you the, uh, no, look at the camera. Look at the camera. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So, hey, um, yeah, go, go back. Can you go back to the side shot? I like that better. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on in the news. I wanted to touch on a couple of things. We have Ira Keltis coming up to talk about the flu in a few minutes. I wanted to give him some extra time because he did a lot of research on this. And um, I, don't, I don't even know where I'm supposed to look. Just look straight ahead. Uh, all right. Okay. And we'll get that side shot in a second. Um, there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about. I know Fred Meredith talked about the government shutdown. Very interesting stuff that the Democrat Party in Washington cares more about the citizens of other countries than they care about you. And it just blows my mind because I can't get past it. I mean, we can talk about dreamers. We can talk about education. But the fact is they were willing to shut down the government and not pay the military. They're willing to shut down the government and not pay American citizens who have jobs working for the federal government. Because they were advocating, because to them, their priority, what's more important to them, is people who are citizens from other countries who came here illegally, without our permission. And I saw yesterday, there was a, uh, I guess there was a, uh, a big demonstration outside uh, Walt Disney, and they did all these demonstrations all over the country last week. Um, start there. If you're going to be deporting people, how about, like, start there? Because all we hear is that they're in the shadows. They didn't look like they were in the shadows to me. They were live on CNN with big signs demanding we give them stuff. I don't know any other country on the planet you could do that. Like, can, can you as an American go to Germany, uh, sneak into the country, be there illegally with no documentation, get a bunch of your friends who are there illegally, and march through their streets demanding free stuff? I don't think you can do that anywhere. I don't know any other country on the planet where you can do that. But they're doing it here. And then we hear these lame-ass excuses from politicians and CNN that we, we, we can't deport 11 million illegal aliens. Well, you know what? Yes, we can. We fought all of World War II in, like, what, three years? How, you, how long was World War II? Rich. Rich is a Vietnam vet. He knows. Four and a half years. We solved World War Flippin' two. You mean to tell me we can't deport 11 million illegal aliens? And by the way, how do we know it's 11 million? Why do people keep using 11 million illegal aliens when they're here illegally? We don't know how many there are. By, by, by definition, we don't know how many there are because they came here illegally. There's no documentation. It could be 50 million. It could be 100 million. So, I mean, I, I don't understand the whole government shutdown thing. I think that the Democrats kind of overplayed their hand a little bit. And I know that this is going to come back up. I said it a little earlier. I'm okay with dreamers staying if they keep their nose clean. Uh, I look at the immigration situation the way I look at my, my home, right, or my office. If someone wants to come to my – if I throw a party at my house and somebody uninvited shows up, but they're not causing any trouble and they're behaving themselves and they're having a good time, I'm probably not going to care, right? But if I'm having a party in my house and someone uninvited comes in and they start fist fights and they start pouring beer all over the floor, well, guess what? You're going home. And that's how we should be looking at our, at our country. We should stop with all of these, all of these false ideas that are, that are put into our head from the news media. Like all of these illegal aliens, every single one of them, they're all great. They're all wonderful people. Oh, Sean the Barista's here. Sean the Barista! Awesome. He's here with my coffee. I'll finish this rant in a minute. We have something more important to get to. Thank you, Sean. How's everything going? Good. Thank you. I appreciate this. Did you, 
did, did you suggest to Dave, uh, tell him my suggestion, we need a taco stand here? All right. We're working on getting a taco stand here at the studio because I need tacos. I mean, I'd rather have Taco Bell, but I know Sean the Barista could probably make a better taco than Taco Bell. Oh, my God, that's the best coffee anywhere ever. So we were talking about the sanctuary cities, uh, I mean, the immigration situation. Um, I'm really tired of people saying that those who are um, for deporting illegal aliens, those that want border security, that they're racist. I don't know what race illegal alien is. But I do know, as I said during the news, that there are black Americans in large numbers who are getting a terrible education, who can't get jobs, who are having a hard time economically, who are a large portion of them going to jail because they don't have uh, any economic opportunity and they're committing crimes. And I don't see how importing people who will work for half the wages that they will work for helps them. See, I have this belief that, and I said it on the first show and I'm going to keep saying it, that everything that the Democrat Party says they believe is in direct contradiction to everything else the Democrat Party says they believe. On the one hand, they, they pretend to advocate for African Americans while they've done literally absolutely nothing for African Americans over the last 30 years. Just look at the statistics. Look at how many African Americans are going to jail today, even under the Obama administration, as compared to like, I don't know, 30 years ago under Ronald Reagan. That's that's kind of odd considering the Democrats say that they care so much about African Americans. And at the same time that they're pretending they care about African Americans, they're advocating for more illegal aliens coming and staying in the country, giving them free benefits, making them citizens, and shutting down the government to do it. So I think when people actually can think for themselves, I think sometimes kids go to college and they get brainwashed and they don't know how to think anymore. And... They, they don't even understand the difference between a comparison and an analogy, right? So they, they don't have the basics of even understanding. We watch the news differently. Conservatives and Democrats watch the news differently. You could sit a conservative and a liberal in a room and put on CNN. They're both going to see two different things because they've been trained through, through our colleges to hear things differently, to see things differently. And even certain words... Um, you could you could have any topic in the world like immigration, and all the liberal hears is racism, racism. They hate brown people, and all the conservative hears is they're letting people into our country who aren't supposed to be here, and it's screwing up our economy. But they're both watching the same report, and I think that's because of college. All right, we got a couple other things I want to get to. Um, do you have that uh, that video ready? Because I'll give you a build up before you before we get there. So yesterday, I wanted to talk about this a little bit during my uh, my rant today. So yesterday, the North Andover police and a group called Cops for Kids with Cancer uh, made the day of an 11-year-old boy in North Andover who has cancer. They did a, uh, they like a dozen cruisers. They did a motorcade from the police station to his house. Um, they picked him up at his house. They gave him a, you'll be able to see the video in a second. Um, they'll give him a high five as he was coming out. They put him in the lead cruiser. And they did another motorcade back to the station where they gave his family a check for $5,000 and uh, gave him a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of stuff. They gave him toys and a bunch of things to help him out, things that he needed that I guess his parents told the cops that he needed. Um, and, and I thought it was a really great thing. Uh, all we hear about is how cops suck. All we hear on the news is how cops are a bunch of jackbooted thugs that are taking people's rights away. And I would be okay with that if the news taught you, told you the other side too. Like, if they were talking about bad cops, but they were also talking about what the, the good the cops do, 
and they were balanced and they were fair and they were objective, I'd be okay with it, but they don't. What they do is they attack cops every chance they get. So I thought this was a good thing yesterday. Can we run that uh, that clip still? Ira. Hello, Ira. What's going on? Can I get a picture of you two guys? What happened? No, I'm in the office. I'm trying to cut the video. So there's Nathan. Nathan's coming out, and then he goes over, and he, he high-fives all the cops on his way down. I thought that was kind of cool. We had North Andover cops, and we had the... Um, I don't know. I haven't heard the state police. And then when they got back to the station, they gave uh, they gave him uh, a, a little presentation, which was pretty interesting. We were going to run that video, but we don't have to. I'm, I know I'm running a little over on time, 2.48. Um, uh, what else do we have? Uh, Israel. Today, Donald Trump was in Israel with uh, my favorite person in the entire world, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel. Uh, everybody's all worked up about us moving the um, our embassy to Jerusalem and us declaring that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Newsflash. Jerusalem has been the capital of Israel for 4,000 years, okay? And anybody who can find a way to justify complaining about Jerusalem being the capital of Israel, probably an anti-Semite or probably a brainwashed millennial who just got out of college and thinks that the Jews are the bad guys. Um, we, we see this all the time. We hear this all the time, these fake narratives in the news, fake narratives coming out of our college campuses from these communist professors that, that warp our kids' minds. Um, you know, look, the, everybody thinks that the Israeli situation with the Palestinians is so complicated, right? It's so complicated. They get down in the weeds. They want to go back 4,000 years and 2,000 years and who owned the land. Listen, it's not about land. It's very simple. It's not about land. If every Jew in Israel tomorrow got up, took all their stuff, and moved to the North Pole and said, we're done. The Arabs can have it. The Muslims can have it. You can have everything. We don't care. And they moved to the North Pole. The Muslims would celebrate for a day and then plan their invasion for the North Pole, claiming that that's somehow part of their holy land from the Koran. Because it's not about land. The land, is a, the land argument is a distraction. It's a lie. It's about hating Jews. That's what it's about. That's why the Palestinians strap bombs to their kids and put them on buses to blow up children. Because they hate the Jews more than they love their children. It's part of the way they've been indoctrinated. It's part of the way they've been brainwashed. So I was glad to see President Bush, unlike President Obama. President Obama appeased the terrorists for eight years. We saw how that worked out, right? We saw how that worked out in San Diego. We saw how that worked out in many cities in the country. We saw how it worked out in Kabul. We saw how it worked in Turkey, Istanbul. We saw, we saw how that worked out. When you appease terrorists and you appease bad people, they do more bad things, just like North Korea. Obama appeased that guy for eight years. Clinton gave him the ability to get a nuclear weapon. Now he might actually have one. So I'm glad the president met with Benjamin Netanyahu today. I'm glad that it's making the Democrats and the liberals absolutely batshit crazy. And I think what we're going to see over the next couple of years is now that they've taken Jerusalem off the table, now that won't be a sticking point for any negotiations because it's already settled. We're moving our embassy there, and we've declared it the capital of, of Israel. 
Uh, what else do we have? Uh, let's see. Sanctuary cities. I talked about the sanctuary city stuff. Um, what, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to um, uh, we're going to promote uh, Twin Light Security. We appreciate them being here, uh, protecting me today. We also appreciate them coming with me when I'm uh, riding around Lawrence, uh, going to shooting calls and fires and accidents. That's always fun. Um, having them there. Twin Light Security, Twin Light Investigations, A&M Auto Body, um, Attorney Peter Caruso, who represented me, and we won, by the way. He's represented me three times, and we won all three times. Thank you, Peter. Um, and we'll have, I'll have a graphic for you next week for him. Uh, Stu, want to thank Stu Fink here is, uh, is my producer today. Well, I'm going to take a quick break. I, think, I don't think I have really much else to talk about today. I know it's a, it's a quick day. Um, Ira Kelt is going to be coming up in a couple seconds. And he's got a really in-depth report. He did a lot of research on this. And I think it's really important. I know you guys just want to hear me snark about everything. But I think it's really important to educate people about stuff. So our next segment's going to be Ira talking about the flu. And uh, hopefully he'll educate you and maybe even keep you a little healthy. And thank you, Sean the Barista. Again, here's your host, Tom Duggan. That's what they tell me. All right. Welcome back to the Paying Attention program. My name is Tom Duggan. That really is all you really should need to know. This is the Paying Attention program. I want to thank Two Guys Smoke Shop, Studio 21 Cafe, which is where we, uh, where we tape this live feed every week on Thursdays at 2 o'clock. Is it really Thursday already? Oh, my God. It's like we, I thought we just did a show like yesterday. Um, Ira Kelts is uh, one of our correspondents that we brought on at the very beginning. He came to my office and said he wanted to be part of the show, and I was trying to think, like, how do we work him in? And he was telling me all the stuff that he does because he actually works at a, another TV station. What is it? It's Tewksbury Cat? West, uh, Westford Cat. Westford Cat. Um, and so I went on to Westford Cat's website, and I started looking at some of his reports, and I thought, wow, this stuff is, like, really educational stuff. If that's what he's good at, that's what we should bring him in to do. And he said, yeah, I'd love to do it. So we're going we're gonna to keep giving him a segment. every. We're going to try and get you sponsored, too, at some point, right? Okay. Gonna, so that way you can start making some money, too. Besides my AA um, sponsor? Or? Right, yeah. Okay, no. okay. So if you want to sponsor the Paying Attention Show or just a segment of the Paying Attention Show, like Ira's segment or the news segment, please instant message me on Facebook. Send me an email at valleypatriot at AOL.com 
or you can call me. Our phone number's on our Facebook page. Uh, why don't we just turn it over to Ira? What are you talking about today? Are you talking about this? Uh, I, I, I got this thing from Fred and Meredith that sandwiches cause global warming. Is that, what, is that your topic today? That's not my topic today, but I, no. I was fascinated when I found that out today. Yeah, I, should, I should have talked about it during my rant. Well, next week we can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, this week we're talking about the flu. You can't, all over the news today, um, whether it's network news, cable news, TV, newspapers, the flu is everywhere. And this year is especially bad. And now normally the flu tends to particularly affect older people, but also very young children, pregnant women, people with long-term health conditions like asthma or heart disease are also vulnerable to complications from the flu like pneumonia, which is a real killer as well. Now nationwide this flu season, uh, there have been 30 pediatric flu deaths. That's 30 kids who've died from the flu. And 10 of those happened in just one week. Wait, so 30 kids died from the flu? Nationally, yeah. And that's all in, in 10 Just of, the flu? Like it wasn't like they had something else and the flu complicated uh, it? Or do we know? They, they're calling it a flu death. Okay, so a primary, all right. a primary cause. Fair enough. And in fact, the week of January 13th, two weeks ago, 10 of those 30 died in one wow. week. Wow. Now, let's talk about what the flu is. The flu is a contagious respiratory illness caused by the influenza of viruses. It can cause mild to severe illnesses and at times can lead to death. Now, the best way to prevent the flu is by getting a flu shot each year. Can I ask you a question about that? Sure. I always advise people not to get the shoe flu, oh. flu shot. Okay. I always get calls. In fact, I just turned 50, so my, I saw my doctor on Tuesday. First thing, very first thing he asked me is, have you had your flu shot yet? And I said, no, and I'm not going to. Uh, am I wrong about this? I mean, why am I... Why, why am I taking a flu shot that could actually give me the flu, even though maybe in most people it doesn't. You know, my luck, right? With my luck, I'll be the one guy that gets it, right? Yeah. Am I wrong about that? Well, the flu vaccine doesn't contain any live virus. So the, the virus is dead. So technically the flu vaccine cannot give you the flu. However, they, they you know, a year ahead of time, they kind of predict what, what strains of the flu uh, the, the vaccine is going to have for that following year. So this year, the, the, the dominant strain is called the H3N2 flu. And last year, that vaccine was about 32% effective against that strain. So, you know, you still got two-thirds chance of getting it, but one-third chance that you won't. And the way you feel when you have the flu, I don't know if you've had the flu before. I've had it. It kicks your butt. So, you know. I don't get sick very often. It's probably been four years since I've been sick. But when I get sick, it totally, I'm down for four days. Like, I'm in bed for four days. Absolutely. Absolutely. So there's been 1,200 laboratory-confirmed cases of the flu reported to the Massachusetts Department of Public Health since the start of October, which is well above the number normally seen at this time of year. In fact, last year at this time, there were only 300 cases reported to the state. Now, those are lab-confirmed cases. Not everyone goes to the doctor. Right. Like they suffer at home with the flu. But if you go, to, go there and get tested, you know, it gets reported to the so state. So like with any number we give on this show, it's usually a lot more because we're only talking about reported numbers. Correct. Correct. Um, in fact, New Hampshire says there's been five flu-related, de- flu-related deaths among adults so far this season. But even New Hampshire is not considered widespread in the state. And Massachusetts only reports pediatric deaths attributed to the flu. So they don't even, they don't even you know, report um, adult flu. You know, sometimes they do, they do, they do uh, pneumonia, mostly, which can be caused or a side effect of having the flu. So how can you tell if you have the flu or if you have a cold? Now, there's some... Some ways to tell. Uh, if you have a cold, you generally have... If you can't get out of bed. You can't get out of bed, yeah. So if you have a cold, you just, you just have a cough and a sore throat. You're sneezing. You have a stuffy nose. That's a, that's a cold. If you have the flu, you have a fever, um, typically over 100, 101. You also have a cough and sore throat, but your body aches, and you have headaches, and you're tired. just feel like crap. You that's how I feel every day. Well, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you got the flu. 
that you also have a stuffy nose and you have problems breathing as well, all, also signs of the flu. Now, when, when is it serious enough to actually go to the hospital with the flu? So in children, here are some of the emergency warning signs. And you go to the next, next slide. In children, if your kids are, are breathing really quickly or have trouble breathing, if they have a bluish skin color, if they're not drinking enough fluids or they're kind of groggy or not waking up and not interacting with you, if your kid's really irritable and doesn't want to be held, um, or if they have the symptoms but they get better, but then they come back with a fever and worse cough, you should take the kid to the hospital. I mean, because it's, it, 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 it is a deadly disease, so you, you really got to be careful. So those are with kids. With, with adults, it's a little different. You can have difficulty breathing or shortness of breath, uh, pain or pressure in the chest or abdomen, uh, sudden dizziness, uh, confusion, you know, severe or persistent vomiting. And then again, you know, if the symptoms go away but come back worse, you got the flu and you should definitely go get checked out. If you get to the doctor within you know, 48 hours of your symptoms, they can give you antiviral uh, med- medication like, like Tamiflu or something mm-hmm. that can help minimize the effects. But if after 48 hours, you're pretty much on your own. So you see all these TV commercials for products for the flu, right? Mm-hmm. For all these kind of flu over-the-counter stuff. Do any of them work? Because in my... In my experience, I've tried just about all of them when I get sick. and they j- Other than NyQuil, which kind of knocks you out so that you don't feel that you're in pain. Otherwise, I don't know any of them that work. Yeah, it's typically to, to treat the symptoms of the flu. So it'll help you. You, know, you, can take, you can take Tylenol or aspirin to reduce the fever. You can take you know, NyQuil to knock you out and help you get rest. It doesn't cure the flu. The, right. the, anti- the antiviral stuff that can help early on. But typically, you just kind of go through. So the only thing that really, that really gets you over the flu is just time, right? It has to cycle through your body. That's true. That's true. You have to rest. Now, how long should you stay home if you're sick? So the as C- long as your boss will let you. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so the CDC recommends you stay home for at least 24 hours after your fever has gone, except to go to the doctor or for other things you have to do and no one else can do for you. So you know, if you're taking Tylenol and your fever has gone, it doesn't count. You have to be off the, off the, uh, the aspirin or Tylenol for at least 24 hours with no fever before you should head out. So stay home. Don't go to school. Don't travel. Don't go shopping. Don't go out because you're going to spread the flu. Yeah, because you don't want to give it to me. Oh, God, no. Right? It's miserable enough So if you have the flu, stay home because Tom doesn't want to get it. So what should you do while you're sick? Um, basically, stay away from everybody. Just go home, go to bed, right. rest, drink, drink plenty of fluids. Yeah, play Candy Crush on your computer exactly. until you're done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you do go out, um, you say you go to the doctor, they have face masks, face masks available. Wear one because your cough basically is, is spreading this flu virus. Um, wash your hands you know, constantly you know, to, to keep flu from spreading to others, especially if you're, if you're at home with your family. Now, to practice healthy habits... You know, flu viruses are spread mainly through droplets. When people's flu, when they cough or sneeze or talk, spit comes out. And these do- droplets can land in the mouths or noses of people that are nearby. Or less often, a person might also get the flu by touching a surface, like in the bathroom or something, that has a flu virus on it. So you can it. pretty much get it any, any, pretty like, much. I mean, yeah. from anywhere. Exactly. You can. But most, health, most, most healthy adults may be able to give the flu to others even one day before their own symptoms develop. And up to five days after becoming sick, you're still contagious. So wow. even before you know it, you can So if you're making it. out with a hot redhead and she's got it, you pretty good chance you've got it. Uh, chances are, but it's totally worth it, isn't it? All right. Well, of course it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's see. I'll spend, three days, I'll spend three days in bed with the flu if I can make out with a hot redhead any day of the week. <laughs> Sign me up. All right. Now, what I want to show you next is this map. Of so the you US. can't throw him off. I can throw anything at him, and he's such a flipping professional. He just keeps going. That's awesome. Well, one track mine here. 
So this is a map of the U.S. in October. Now, this is a dramatic thing. We're going to kind of scroll through in just a moment. It's going to show you right now in October, up on the screen, you see a lot of like, like beige and tan, a little bit of white. This is um, you know, sporadic flu cases around in um, first week of October. Let's scroll through to the next one um, and continue about every two seconds or so. You're seeing more and more cases. Keep going, Stu. Um, you see the, the yellow and the orange. Those are um, regional um, you see the brown, that's widespread. Keep going, Stu. So now we're, you know, now we're up to like November, and now we're getting into December. See how the orange spread over the entire country. Keep going. And this is um, the end of December on Christmas time, and finally the first two weeks of January. It is over the entire country, widespread. There's Maine, there's Hawaii, Guam even is, is added in. So this is what we're looking at, and it, it, is, it is everywhere. So, you know, basically the... Uh, the number of deaths that have been reported, this is for flu and pneumonia, which kind of go hand in hand because of the respiratory aspect of the flu. In December alone, December of 2017, New Hampshire, 56 people died from the flu or pneumonia. And 346 people died in Massachusetts. Again, just that one month in December from wow. flu and pneumonia. And you don't think of the flu as being something that would kill people, but it does. If you get it, I mean, you see the stories. People die within like two days of getting it. And, you know, some people are bodybuilders or, you know, marathon runners. You know, those are the ones you hear about. But it could, right. affect, it could affect anybody. And these strains are, are very serious. So some steps to protect, protect your family. Um, basically, you want to cover your nose and mouth. You want to, um, you know, wash your hands constantly with soap and, and, and water. Try to avoid touching your eyes, your mouth, your nose. Um, germs spread this way. Uh, stay home and uh, keep your workspaces clean. You know, use those, those antibacterial wipes and avoid close contact with sick people. And that, that's, those are the keys. So, to, now, uh, so now if I could do what you're doing with these slides when I'm doing my rant, mm -hmm. I would actually remember what I was supposed to talk about and my rant would have been longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you can come back next week and, and do even more. So um, we're going to close this segment, Tom, with a short video that was produced by Mass General Hospital featuring the top 10 reasons to get your flu shot. Did you produce this? No, I didn't. Oh, all right. Just... Number 10. Watch the Patriots go on a run. Not your nose. Get a flu shot. Number 9. Save the congestion for Boston traffic. Get a flu shot. Number 8. The weakness in your knees isn't love, it's the flu. Get a flu shot. Number seven, fever, chills, and vomiting. Take the bucket off your list. Get a flu shot. Number six, spend your time watching the Super Bowl, not the toilet bowl. Get a flu shot. Number five, no one likes to Netflix and ill. Get a flu shot. Number four, don't wait to help our patients. Get a flu shot today. Number three, enjoy your earn time. Don't cough it up. <coughs> Get a flu shot. Two, Saturday Night Fever is for the dance floor, not the bathroom floor. Get your flu shot. And the top reason for you to get a flu shot, have you heard? If everybody gets a flu shot, then we can generate enough immunity so that we can protect each other. That includes our patients, our colleagues, ourselves, the whole herd. So what's not to like? Get it. I don't know. I, I, I still think I'm not buying it. You know, people, people could, you know, it could be some government conspiracy to, to implant viruses into you, you know, like a kill switch or something. Right. But, you know, it, if there's a 30% chance that it works, it's, I think it's worth it. I think I, I think I like my body, 
and I think I trust my body. Well, and one. if I get the flu, then you're developing antibodies for next time around. And if it puts me down for three or four days, mm-hmm. and it's happened sometimes during deadline, which really sucks. Um, but it, but if it happens, it happens, and I don't know. I, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, and I don't want to discourage people from from getting the flu just because I don't. But for me, just putting that stuff in my body just doesn't seem right. Nobody's forcing you. You know, it's it's not it's, yet anyway. It's a personal exactly. Right? Good point. Good point. Um, you know, it, in hospitals, they're basically mandatory to everyone who works there needs to get a flu shot or have a. Uh, you know, a, a valid excuse not to get one you know, medically or religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you can't work there. So, you know, they, they take it seriously at the hospitals. How do you choose these topics? I mean, you've come now on five shows with five really amazing topics that were extremely educational. I think the Kratom one was amazing. Um, uh, how, do you, how do you come up with these topics? I mean, it just seems like whatever you're talking about, a week later, everyone else is talking about it. Well, Kind of sneak them in. You know, I watch a little, I watch TV. I'm, I'm I'm on the news every day. I found you know the sandwiches are causing global warming. Topic. Sandwiches that cause global warming. That that's the week. that's the best. <laughs> that's it's, awesome. It's talking about you know like like the the uh, you know the higher impact to our carbon footprint or the, or the you know the meats and, and cheeses from the cows and the mm-hmm. animals and the refrigeration trucks and ham and cheese at home lowest carbon footprint. So. I'd love to do a segment on global warming someday. I think the whole thing is such a flippin' hoax. Um, you know, do we have time? Do I have time to do this? I really kind of don't. But it just seems to me, oh, should I do this or not? Should we save this for another show? Whatever you want. It just seems to me with the, all this global warming stuff is in order to believe what you've been told, you've got to believe like five things that are unknowable, okay. right? You've got to believe that, that A, that the, that the globe is warming. And since we're only measuring one one millionth of the time this earth has been here, it, it's kind of like taking a teaspoon out of the ocean and doing tests on it and thinking you know what the temperature is going to be like off the coast of Japan. You just don't, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so, but you have to believe that, that, that it is warming. Then you have to believe that it's bad that it's warming. How do we know that? How do we know that it would be bad? Maybe it would be good. The earth has gone through ice ages and hot ages and, you know, the earth seems to be doing just fine. One of the things that I saw also this past week was an article talking about how aerosol, you know, when you're spraying things in the air, um, everyone's been telling us that's horrible for the environment. It's causing holes in the ozone layer. But the article said that if we stop using aerosols, the temperature is going to raise another degree and a half Right. by stop using them. So right. it, it's all, who knows? You know. So you have to believe that the earth is warming. You have to believe that it's bad that it's warming. Then you, you, on top of those two things, you have to believe that it's man's responsibility, that, it, that it's caused by man, mm-hmm. that it's warming and that it's bad, right? And then in order to round out this trifecta of believing in global warming, you also have to believe that man can fix it. Sure. And all of every single one of those are completely unknowable. Let's right? Shut, it's let's, just not knowable. Like you can't know that. Yeah, let's let's shut down all the coal plants, let's shut down right. all, the, all the oil fields right. and let, that will fix problems. I see this whole global warming thing as a global political move because if you have a global crisis, you need a global body to work with all of these other countries to fix the global crisis. And what is their solution? What's the UN solution? The United States should give billions of dollars to other countries. Somehow that's going to stop global warming. It makes, it makes no sense. It's a political hoax. It's always been a political hoax. Now, having said that, please hold your emails. Don't email me because I said global warming is a hoax. Because it is a hoax, all right? It's a hoax. It's a political hoax. But that doesn't mean that I don't believe in 
taking care of the environment, reducing pollution. I'm all for legislation that's going to reduce pollution. I'm all for finding companies that are illegally dumping in our rivers and streams and putting every one of those bastards in jail. I mean, I believe in helping the environment at the local level, but I'll tell you what, Ira, about five years ago, the Valley Patriot found out that there was leaking toxic chemicals in the water treatment plant in the city of Lawrence. Horrible. So we went down and we took pictures. And we had pictures of these big, big, blue barrels with phosphorus white stuff streaming out of it and footprints, right? So we did this big story about this leaking toxic chemicals. I called every single environmental group I could find to get a quote to see if they'd come down to a city council meeting and protest to see if we couldn't, because the city wouldn't clean it up. Like even after we reported on it, they didn't want to clean it up. And you had all these city workers that were working around this stuff and it possibly leaking into our water. We couldn't get anybody, not one, not Massperg, not any of these, these hoax environmental groups. You know why? I couldn't even reach them on the phone. They were out protesting global warming. They were out holding signs as if global warming is going to go, oh, wait a minute, they're holding signs. That's it. I'm done. No more global warming for me, right? The, the, the environmental movement in this country only really seems to care about attacking big business and using global warming as a political weapon for their politics. Because if they really cared, they would have come to Lawrence when we had leaking toxic chemicals, when we found um, that the DPW was doing illegal dumping at the Shasheen River, when we found out that there was mercury being stored in a water treatment plant at the foot of Mount Vernon in Lawrence. Mercury. And when we blew that story out, again, we called all these organizations and we got crickets. They really just don't flipping care about the environment. If they did, everything is local. They would have been there. They would have been there to protest real mercury at a real water treatment plant. But instead, well, I'm going to go hold signs for global warming. Anyways, I know we get totally off topic. but right. I mean, yeah, um, What you need to do is actually take a, a thermometer and just actually break it open, put it on the street. Then everyone will go crazy. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah it'll, be, it'll, it'll be crazy. Uh, I think we should have all kinds of legislation to stop pollution, to, to clean our waterways, to clean our air, to have cleaner air. I believe in all of that stuff, but I don't have to believe in global warming for that. Yeah. I'm all for cleaning your air. Can you pass me a cigarette? Oh, absolutely. Just, just kidding. I'm just like... <laughs> I'm contributing to global warming with my smoking and my farting, by the way. Apparently, that also hurts global warming. Cow farts, right? Absolutely. So so when it's really warm, it's because of global warming. And when it's really cold, that's because of global warming, too. Then when it's just regular nice, well, that's because of global warming. Hurricanes, global warming. Then we have a year, no hurricanes, global warming. (laughs) So the global warming alarmists, I call them chicken littles, they run around crying that the earth's going to be destroyed if we don't change our light bulbs. And weak-minded people actually believe it. And every time I see one of these stories, I just I shake my head like, what the? How did this country, this is the greatest country in the world, with the best education system in the world, as bad as it is, and we still have people who are so stupid and weak-minded that they hear these things and they just believe them and then repeat them as if they're true. Well, like sandwiches cause global warming. Right, yeah, come on. Like sandwiches here, this is a story. Sandwiches cause global warming. You can't make that up. It's not even the onion. I couldn't have done it. Right, it's not even the onion. I couldn't have done this if I tried. Ira, thank you. You did a great job today. I appreciate it. Before we bounce out, Mike, why don't you come up here for a quick second? I just want to spend one minute doing this. I know we're a little over, but we'll cut it out in post-production. All right, I I can't. It's either now or never. We're, we're, We're live. All right. Um, so I'm, I want to bring this guy. I want to bring up the, this guy, Mike. We previewed him last week. Sure. Mike Demers is a guy uh, who he, uh, his mom had a contract with Hafner's Oil, and Hafner's Oil. Came. I lost my. Oh, there it is. Hafner's Oil came and they overfilled his tank, and they pumped 250 gallons of oil into their basement, 
and it went everywhere, and they refused to clean it up. And Mike sued them, brought them to court, and he lost because he didn't have a, he didn't have a multimillion-dollar lawyer like the, uh, like the Hafner's Acadia Corporation. So he went on this... He went on this uh, boycott s- campaign, social media boycott campaign on Twitter and Facebook, and basically what he says and what he's saying online with this campaign is, we know we lost in court. We know the law says they don't have to come clean this up as bad as that is, but morally we think they should do the right thing and come do it anyway, and they've spent twice as much money fighting you in court than if they had actually rebuilt you an entire house. Now they're suing you to shut you up. So just give us like one minute because we're all, we're all okay, the time. Okay, um, it, it's 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 involving Acadia Insurance Company and a claims adjuster. Hafner's is not involved in the suit. I just wanted to. Well, but, the, but, but, but they're involved in right, the, in, right? Because Acadia obviously. represents Hafner's. Correct. Right. Correct. And and what happened was originally they told us they put us in the same position. They told us my mother. They told it to my stepdad, and they accused me of lying and making false statements of fact, um, and. I just sent in like five, six motions. I'm just, you know, I have to learn to become a lawyer to, you know what I mean, deal with this stuff. Right. And it's been going on for two years now almost now. And I'm asking for an extension. I'm asking the court to allow my mom and stepdad to testify to certain statements that were made that were made in the 2011 negligence case. So they couldn't, can't be defamatory now when, right. when we said them before. And, and there are, you know, certain posts on my, on my website when I, um, on my, actually my social media that um, they're claiming that it's portraying to the public that they were negligent. I say... Well, they were negligent. They might not have been legally negligent, but they were negligent. They pumped 250 gallons of oil into your mom's home, and they didn't clean it up right. I sued them for that, and I have the right to tell her story. And, and, and there's a lot of things that weren't brought up in the court case because it would have been a, a, a two-month trial. We tried to streamline it and in two weeks, and they had 30 lawyers. We had, you know, me and mom, you know what right. I mean, in tears. And... Uh, the bottom line is I didn't make any false statements. In fact, my opinion is, is like, as an example, maybe you can read a little bit better than, than me, but that's one of my posts right here. I, yeah, it says, Mom goes bankrupt, home still reeks of Hafner's oil. America for Mom kicks off 2014 boycott campaign. Uh, below are the companies that displaced, bankrupted, and ruined uh, this grandmother's home. And then he goes on uh, about all the things that, that they promised that they were going to do that they didn't do. It's my opinion. Right. So uh, I wanted to bring him up because you're going to be in – when does your, your trial start? Um, my trial starts on uh, February 14th, ironically, but uh, I just sent a motion to the court to try to get a little bit more time because I have to – you know, this is a lot of work here. Yeah, right? I mean, just, you're representing yourself. I've done you that. Know, and, uh, I won, but it's, it's very hard to win. You know what I mean? It's a lot, of, a lot of study and work. I mean, uh, you know, I'm just telling the story. I have the First Amendment right to tell the story. Sure. And everything and all the conversations that I had between the environmental people, the state of New Hampshire, the insurance company i documented everything right and i have a right to tell the american people what happened i think i think there's something bigger afoot here and that's why i wanted to have you up and i'm going to have you back we're going to have you come in as this trial gets going uh what this is a much bigger story than people think it is yes. because you've got a multi-million dollar company telling a private citizen that they can't have moral outrage at the behavior of a company. He's not making any legal claims. He's not saying that they're legally responsible because he lost in court. But what he is saying is that they've spent twice as much money on lawyers fighting the case than if they built a brand new home for his mom. And I, if they succeed 
in shutting him down, it's going to be a chill of free speech for everyone. It's not just Mike Demers that's going to suffer. Absolutely. All of us are going to suffer. I will be in Hillsborough County just, uh, Superior Court when your trial starts. Right. Uh, come hell or high water, even okay. if I'm, in, I'm on deadline, I'm going to come. I'm trying over. to bump it up a little bit because I need more time. Yeah, man. listen, I could use more time too. So. The, fa- the fact <laughs> is my mom was out of a house for seven years and is bankrupt as a right. result of this. And right. uh, I want to thank the 30,000 people that are following us on Twitter, America for Mom, and uh, Facebook fans. I uh, appreciate your support, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, the, if there ever was a, a David and Goliath story, this is it. I don't know why the rest of the media hasn't picked up on it. But once again, we'll pick up the slack, and we're going to do it, Mike. I appreciate it, Congratulations Thanks. on your new show. Thanks, appreciate we'll it. we'll be seeing you real soon. All right, thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for uh, watching the Paying Attention program. Uh, donate some blood tomorrow, Friday. I'm sorry, that's not true. This was last week. Unbelievable. All right. I guess you can't donate blood. Um, what else do we have? We, we have uh, our book, Heroes in Our Midst. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, pick up the Valley Patriot. We're all over the Merrimack Valley, New Hampshire, and Massachusetts. Uh, we have a TV commercial for on all the sports channels that's going to be running uh, right before the Super Bowl. If you want in on that, if you're a business and you want in on that commercial, you want to be in it with us, please contact me. You know how to do that. I want to thank Twin Lights Security and Investigations for sponsoring the show and for providing my security. I want to thank uh, Eagle Investigations, uh, who's sponsoring uh, the, the, the Valley Patriot. And we also want to thank uh, Peter Caruso, Caruso and Caruso, Attorneys at Law in Andover. A&M Auto Body. Go see Angelo at A&M Auto Body. If you've got a ding in your car, he will take care of you. Tell him that you're friends with the Valley Patriot. He will take care of you. And uh, who else do we have left? Uh, I guess that's it. Thank you, Stu Fink. What's that? Oh, and the bash. Please, our... our um, Our charity bash is March 23rd. We give scholarships to kids from Lawrence High School in the Vogue. We give awards to police officers, firefighters, and veterans. It'll be at the Relief Sin in Lawrence, March 23rd, 7 o'clock. If you'd like to sponsor it, we'd love to have you sponsor it. If you'd like to donate money for our charity bash account um, for the scholarships, please do. It's tax deductible. Thank you, Stu Fink. Thank you, studio audience. I saw Nelson Silva here, which was kind of weird. I don't know what he's doing here. We'll see you next week at uh, Studio 21. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.